Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roger and Me, a.k.a. Roger Ebert and Me, a movie review podcast that is modeled after Siskel and Ebert. We like to think we're a tribute to it, but every now and then someone will leave a YouTube comment that says something like, fine show, but has nothing to do with Roger and Gene, <laughs> which made me laugh very hard. Thank you for the not quite compliment. Fine show could mean a lot of things. I'll take it. Um, if you're going to leave a comment, go ahead and do it on iTunes or whatever it's called now. Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Please leave us a rating. We we just hit 40, I believe, which is awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, but if you don't know what Siskel and Ebert is, go read that great new book by Matt Singer, Opposable Thumbs. Definitely endorsed by this show. We love it. I have it. It's great. Um, Siskel and Ebert was a movie review show on television many years ago, started in the 70s, ran for many years. Roger Ebert, Gene Siskel, two iconic film critics with interesting backgrounds who came together to talk about every new movie that came out every Friday. They were exhaustive, and so are we. We try to cover everything big and small, uh, mainstream releases in theaters, uh, as well as new releases on streaming, uh, VOD, every way to get a movie, we will find it and cover it. This week's not the great example, not the best example of, of our tenacity, or for me, it isn't. For my co-host, Mark Dusick of MarkReviewsMovies.com, he reviewed 12 movies this week on his website, where he's been doing that every uh, Friday for 22 years or so. Uh, he covered the two biggest releases of the week, which I didn't make it out the house for various reasons for. One of them is The Hunger Games the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which is a prequel to the Hunger Games, I want to say trilogy, but I think there are four because they split the last one. Is that correct? Uh, so this would be the yeah fifth. they 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 split the last book into a second into two movies. So that was a trend that I believe Harry Potter started. Uh, yep. Deathly Hallows Part One and Part Two, uh, and then everyone did it for a while, and I feel like maybe we've stopped doing that, but I don't know. Uh, now we have the prequel, which is it is a book written by the same author who wrote The Hunger Games. There is a prequel that came later, and now that's a movie. It stars Rachel Zegler. It does not star Jennifer Lawrence or anybody from the original movies because it's set, I think, like a hundred years before. Uh, Mark gave this movie a positive review, as did many people. It is actually, I think, technically rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, like just on the cusp of sixty. Uh, on either side, every time there's a new review filed, it changes. But Mark gave it a good review, and a lot of people I respect gave it a good review. And I am upset I didn't see it. But Mark, it was that nearly three hour runtime that kept me at home for this one. But it was a, yeah, it, it's a it, long one. Does, does it does it earn it? I would say yes, because it does a lot more to ground the world of Pan Am than I think the first four movies did. I didn't ever quite believe the world in those movies i believed it in this one and i believe the characters too it's a kind of an origin story of the main villain of the original series so it is very much about his character and going through what he experiences in this first bit of hunger are they trying to humanize a villain is that what's happening um no okay i mean they are they are giving him clear motivation and showing okay. how things shift in him 
uh, and don't shift in him and all of that. It's not like, Got it. It, so I guess, yeah, humanize in terms of like, you understand him and he's not just. So Donald you go Sutherland back, being yeah, you go back and watch background. the Hunger Games and you're like, I understand where Donald Sutherland's coming from here. He's not so bad. These children. No, he's really bad. Die. He's bad. He's definitely bad. <laughs> it's just. I enjoyed. I remember. I don't really remember much about the movies. I remember really enjoying one of them, which I think was Catching Two. Fire. Yeah. Yes, that is easily the best of those. This is. I, rem- I think this is the best of the whole series in general. You think but... Catching Fire is or this new one? No, I think this new one. Oh, so, uh, Birds and Snakes is the best of them because it it feels like an actual. My big complaint about it is that it doesn't. You do have to watch the original movies kind of to get the basics of what's going on with the Hunger Games. They don't bother to explain it, which is okay That's because fair. they yeah. did all the work. Fair assumption. But man, if this had been just, I say, if it had been maybe even an extra twenty minutes or so, and and given us the world and the self-contained thing, I might have knocked it up a rating or so because it would have felt like a self-contained movie. Yeah. Without the necessity of all that homework, but it's definitely worthwhile. The and one it is ele- oh sorry yo sorry i just looked because i was confused it's it's barely positive i think that's what you is that what oh, okay. you said at the end well i wasn't sure last positive. time i checked it was the other way it was like 57 so it's yeah. over uh it, it made it over 60 yeah. it's now fresh it's, on rotten tomatoes if that means anything to you it shouldn't it really shouldn't it shouldn't but um it shouldn't but it does it has a cultural you should grip, do i think what you should do is go yes. there and read the reviews that are on there exactly <laughs> That's what right you should do click through click be the sure links to, be sure to click through don't just read the little blurb you got to click through especially when you see markreviewsmovies.com on there which you will every every goddamn time um <laughs> Uh, and yeah so basically you made me up you know you made me want to see this i do want to hopefully i'll see it while it's still playing on a giant screen but i would you know if i catch it at home that would be okay too uh one thing my buddy told me that was surprising is that he said it's almost a musical (laughs) he said rachel zegler sings a lot in it she sings a few times yeah that's interesting uh west side story fame rachel zegler um all right let's on well, the other movie the second movie yeah I the other I, there's a second movie i didn't cover and i don't feel bad about missing it and that's because i have not been a party to the trolls films i haven't had children until now and she's thankfully my daughter is not of age to be demanding to see trolls yet so i have made it out unscathed i haven't seen trolls one i haven't seen trolls god i think i know the title world tour is yep. that the second one? And then I haven't seen Trolls Band Together. And I think that's a pun because it's about a band getting back together. And I think yes. that band is basically a veiled reference to NSYNC. Is this also true? Yes, this is true. Here's <laughs> where you also need to do your homework and understand Justin Timberlake's entire career trajectory to understand the movie. But it's fine. It's a fun little in-joke. I have liked the first two movies. I think they're fun. They have a oh, good okay. soundtrack, at least. They're the definitely in- popular. I know that. Yes. They're popular with the kids, but I think they're fun. They're funny. Um, this one, a, a slight step down because it's starting to wear thin. It's now it's just, oh, let's try to figure out what to do with these characters and keep repeating the same jokes. And the soundtracks are still good, but ooh, what, what does it matter? It's, it's okay. Right on. Uh, yeah, that's totally fair. I don't think I'll, you know, when it's time to start watching a bunch of children's movies, I'm sure I will get to them. And maybe yes. I'll give you guys an update on that, on that then. <laughs> but we do have six movies to cover that I did see this week, including um, a new Eli Roth movie, horror movie called Thanksgiving, 
a new Taika Waititi uh, underdog sports movie called Next Goal Wins, a new Nicolas Cage A24 comedy satire called Dream Scenario, um, a new Todd Haynes film that ended up on Netflix. I do not want to, you know, call it a Netflix movie. It is a Todd Haynes film that happens to be on Netflix. Uh, and there's also the Straight to Peacock that was once going to be a theatrical release, but is now on Peacock. An SNL movie. Please don't destroy the treasure of Foggy Mountain. Without further ado... Oh, and there's one more. And uh, Do Not Disturb. A movie that... One of those movies that Mark logged, and I'm like, what is that? I have to watch that. And it ended up being really interesting. So that's a lot of preamble. I'm glad we got a little two extra Mark reviews in there. And let's get right into, I think the biggest wide release that I saw was Thanksgiving. So we'll get into that. Here it is. I've got plenty to be thankful for. I need a small. I buy them all at the five and 10 cent store. Oh, I've got plenty to be thankful for. I used to love this town. Until what happened that night. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and I'm tired of pretending like everything is normal when it's not. I want things to go back to normal, too. Show some enthusiasm. Thanksgiving is an institution here. That trailer doesn't do the best job of selling what that movie's about. And I will tell you what it's about in just a second. But I'll tell you the origin story of the movie first if you are unfamiliar. I know Mark's familiar. I'm sure you can go to the archives on markreviewsmovies.com. Scroll down. I'm assuming it's under G. Yes, go it's to, under G. <laughs> go to Grindhouse from 2007, uh, which was uh, a Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino double feature. Uh, Death Proof, Planet Terror, and in between those two movies were a handful of fake movie trailers. One was called Don't, directed by Edgar Wright. Very funny. Loved it. One was Werewolf Women of the SS or something like that, and that was directed by Rob Zombie, and I think Nick Cage makes an appearance in it, if memory serves. And then the best trailer was always Eli Ross Thanksgiving, which was uh, a fake... Okay, hang on. Hang on, hang on. You oh, forgot you... Machete. <laughs> oh, God. I did forget Machete. Machete was an iconic trailer. I think they kind of burned it to the ground by making two movies that I thought were yes, increasingly did. worse. Definitely. Um, but very good trailer at Thanksgiving. And the conceit of it is that, you know, in the 80s, was it mostly? We had these like holiday... Ba- or. 70s i guess it started with halloween and then after halloween we had all these knockoffs there's april fool's day there's um i'm not thinking of any at the top of my head right now for some reason but there's a million holiday based slasher movies so the idea that there would be a thanksgiving one uh was very funny a novel idea and the trailer delivered it had nasty kills it had a fun premise it had the narrator just going thanksgiving and it was very memorable, and I loved it. And the trailer for this came out recently, uh, and it revealed that, you know, I think a lot of people were upset that it didn't look like the 70s or 80s movie that the trailer was promising, and it's more of a modern thing. 
but uh, that didn't bother me much at all. And so if you were unaware, that trailer is now a real movie that Eli Roth got to make. He got to adapt his trailer into a real feature. And I'm as surprised as anyone that I think if you check the Rotten Tomatoes score, it's a lot of people being surprised. I'm as surprised as anyone that it's really fun and a really good slasher. We haven't had just like a good old fashioned slasher movie that isn't like kind of taking the piss out of it. And this one is funny, but um, it definitely delivers as a slasher movie. The gore, which is practical, is all nasty and disgusting and and it delivers. When I watch a horror movie that's a slasher, I want the kills to hit. And this movie, every kill hits. It does not waste any of those uh, dead bodies. You definitely get the most out of it. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, do you want to go into what the premise actually is? Yeah, so it is... I mean, basically the trailer, except it has a better backstory, a more satirical yeah, backstory. Yeah, it's basically that I... a Black Friday movie. Yeah, it is more of a Black Friday build-up to Black Friday movie than it is a Thanksgiving movie. Because the opening scene is set in the small town of Plymouth, Massachusetts, like in the trailer, which is a real place. Surprisingly, you don't get to see you don't get to see the little underwhelming rock though, but it's Plymouth, Massachusetts, and a year before the main story starts, there is a riot at a local, you know off-brand walmart that somebody owns and in town and a bunch of people are injured and die and then the town forgets about it a year later except for one person one person a masked killer who is running around killing the worst shoppers from the year before and also targeting the family and the friends of the people who own the store and Look, I was I was on board with this right at the start because I was not expecting this. I think Eli Roth is not a very good filmmaker. I found I him. Ag- I, I would agree. I think the early. I really love Cabin Fever, and I think Hostel oh God, One I and Two Cabin hold Fever. up. Do you really? <laughs> I hate those two even more. I hate. Okay. I hate most of his movies. It's not Got just it. that I don't like them. I hate most of Got them. Got it. I, I think okay. in terms of the provocation, all just cheap gory reactionary stuff that i was not ever a fan of talk about reactionary he ended up making a death wish remake (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) that was not a surprise to me that he did that i never saw that but i heard it was heinously bad it's not good no yeah it's not good but so i was not expecting him to actually hit the mark in terms of his satire even if it feels a little bit late it feels a little bit late to have the black market riot movie come out this year when yeah. we are shopping online and everybody is shopping online and all the deals are online sure. way yeah. early. Yeah. You're but like, still, there are people killing each other for a waffle iron commentary, which is it's, hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is hilarious, but it does. I hear what you mean. It feels a little stale in that regard, but like I saw in an interview, you know, him talking about like the deeper implications of black Friday and how insidious it is and how it's like the, we're so poor that we need those deals and it's like really the social the economic implications of it and i you know the movie doesn't get into that but like i think it's interesting that he's at least thinking about it yeah he's clearly thinking about it and it is fun and i i'm mixed i'm mixed i'm mostly mixed after the fact because it is a blending of horror and comedy the horror is for the most part effective i was not anticipating that first kill to go the way that it is and so when it happened i was genuinely shocked 
to the point of laughing out loud because I was not expecting it to happen that way. Oh, yeah. This was um, really fun with the crowd, I want to say. every it, People are laughing and screaming in all the right places. It really did. It's a crowd pleaser in that way. And it has nods to so many horror movies. I lost count. I, uh, uh, it, well, the whole movie feels like it's like My Bloody Valentine or uh, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. It has scream energy. It feels more like a scream 90s slasher take on also updating like an 80s aesthetic it's really interesting it has a friday 13th nod at the end there's definitely some nightmare on elm street in there um if i have anything to say about it that's negative mark which i do like it's not i don't think it's like you know i agree he's not my favorite filmmaker he's not the most you know his movies like his movie doesn't look amazing or anything it looks it looks like a cw show for the most part it's very overlit it doesn't look great there are some i think the kill scenes when it when it gets down to what he's what he should be good at, like the kill scenes, I think it actually delivers. And those scenes are kind of tense and fun in addition to the kills being uh, really satisfying. But, you know, the movie's sense of humor lost me a little bit with just like, you know, at some point you have to realize just saying fuck isn't a punchline. It isn't funny for everyone to be like, fuck you, you fucking whatever. It's just like a lot of Massachusetts mass hole. These people say fuck you a lot humor, which got a little re- annoying to me and you know the performances are largely not very good addison ray a tiktok star is in this and is notably bad i think other people are not notably bad but are you know whatever the lead girl i think is pretty good actually um i had a lot of fun with it i just was not expecting this movie to actually deliver what i want out of a slasher which is you know just kills that deliver and you know, the third act, does the third act revelation, does it become a little clumsy? Yeah. Like the third act becomes a little clumsy. And it, I, I didn't realize till after how long the movie was. It's like an hour 45 or something. And like, I don't know. There's a, you know, I, I would probably try to make this around 90 <laughs> if I were in the editing booth or something. But I think it, it most, it largely works. And all I did was really walk, you know, I walked away thinking that, like, I can't wait to see another one of these movies. Like, I like the killer, even though he looks like the fucking Burger King mascot. <laughs> he does. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. That, like, the Sneak King Xbox game era uh, king. I don't know. You know, through the commercials where he was just a guy in a mask. Because this, this movie, the killer is very much could be anybody guy in a store-bought John Carver mask. And the John Carver character has this mythology in the movie. That's really fun. So, you know, I just think he nailed the assignment, right? Like the assignment is to make like a 80s style slasher, but modern and tie it to the holiday. And by the time it actually gets to like the Thanksgiving feast, you're just like, I'm like, this is kind of inspired and stupid and silly and fun. There's a literal save the cat moment that made me applaud almost. I that was. Yeah, I forgot about that. That it's moment good. is so it that's made funny. Me think oh no, it is Eli funny. Roth has like I'm like he's getting he's you know, I think it's the first movie of his I've really enjoyed in like sixteen years, I think. The last one was Hostile Two. Um and I don't know. It, I'm happy for him. I think it's his best movie in a very long time. I don't want to say it's his best movie ever because I really like Cabin Fever. Um and maybe I'm due for a Roth rewatch. Maybe I'll try to find a way to make Mark suffer through that with me. Uh, Why would I do that? <laughs> maybe you have. You probably haven't watched Cabin Fever in twenty years. Maybe your yeah, opinion has changed. Re- I don't know. No, probably not. Did you watch that weird, almost shot-for-shot remake of it that came out? No, I did not. I, I, I was curious about it. 
but I didn't watch it. It's exactly what it sounds like, and it's not very good. Um, Especially if you didn't like Cabin Fever. I can't imagine what you would think of that. But uh, yeah, anything else do you want to say about Thanksgiving? Um, What? No, I'm, I'm, I'm so much, very much mixed on it. I just can't. Some of some of the some of the horror scenes work. There's a jump scare that's really good because it. I wasn't expecting it at all, and it plays with the timing. It happens near the start of a of a sequence yes. of suspense where you're like, "Oh, that shouldn't be really happening clever, right now," yeah. and it gets you. It's a really that good, was really smart, really good yeah. gimmick. Um, the Thanksgiving dinner for me, it's like, okay, yeah, I know it's gonna eventually get to that. I don't know if I the the idea of somebody being cooked alive in an oven is horrible enough. I don't really need to see it. It yeah. just kind of lost that humor that other one that the other kills have. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely I, a sick sense of humor you need to have to enjoy this. Yeah, episode. it's very violent. Um, you have to be a real horror head because I feel like, like the there was like you know just a normal crowd of people with us. In addition to critics, it was like you know they had a line of people outside and let them in. And I feel like people who don't watch like terrifier level horror movies. I mean, I don't think this movie ever gets that bad. <laughs> oh no, it's not nowhere but near. There's a couple you got parts. Me to get those. There's a couple. Yeah, there's a there's a couple parts. That are inspired on a level like the 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 dumpster kill. I really thought was nasty and gross and inspired. And a lot of people, I feel like, were recoiling at that in the theater. Just like it goes a little further than like a scream would. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the kills are more like cheap. Like they're cheap and practical. It's practical, but it's like you know you can tell what's like a dummy's body flopping around. It's and that's what you want from this. This base. This movie is basically a trauma movie but with a budget and and played, you know, kind of seriously. And I think it is it's a lot of fun. It's a very solid three-star total recommend if you're into the genre. Even if you don't like Eli Roth, I think you should go see it. I'm I was very pleasantly surprised by Thanksgiving. I was pleasantly surprised by it too, but not enough to recommend it. So I'm going two and a half. I'm just right there. I'm right there. It's pretty close. But I get that. I mean, yeah. there's definitely things I'm overlooking when i'm you know praising it like again that the killer is obvious from the very start basically oh for um, sure that type of thing <laughs> that kind yeah. of but tim, you expect tim dylan new york comedian who i think is very funny as the security guard is not very funny and just says like he's just not an actor and it's like his first performance and it was so first performancey to be obvious like just like you know when he loses his passport he's just like fuck fuck ah fuck it's just like when you're in when you're a performer and you don't know what to say, I feel like you just say fuck a lot. And like, that's what the performance is. And it's fine. I guess he's just there to be killed and it's fine. Uh, The the scene is fine. Um, I I couldn't nitpick it. I'm saying, but uh, I don't want to, because I had a really good time and I hope it does well. And I hope we get Thanksgiving two leftovers or whatever silly title they come up with. Uh, Two and a half from Mark three for me. Let's agree on this next one. May, December. How do you choose your roles? I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? It's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. It's so generous. Well, I want you to tell the story right, don't I? You're taller, you look taller on television but we're basically the same size we're basically the same feels like things just settled down and now y'all are making a movie it's a very complex and human story i think it's hard to trust that you're gonna represent gracie as she was i'm gonna try 
This movie's amazing for so many reasons. The first one I want to mention, and then I just want to throw to you and you can tell us what the movie's about. This is a movie that stars Natalie Portman in maybe her best performance ever and Julianne Moore in a typically fantastic performance from her. And I walked away going, holy shit, that guy from Riverdale is unbelievable. And that's kind of why this movie is amazing. It just kind of speaks to the whole thing in that it's just unexpected. It goes places you don't expect. It is definitely poking fun at itself and the audience, but also delivering really heartbreaking melodrama that works while skewering the idea of telling a story like this. It is brilliant. And it really like hit me. I don't know. It's one of those movies that you sit with and you just pour over again and you go, wow, that movie is even more brilliant than I thought. And I can't wait to watch it again. What do you think? Yeah, it is really, really good. And for those reasons that you mentioned, that it is telling this sort of exploitative story about a woman who had an affair with a, oh, wait, how old was he? He was, he was 12, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. She, she was 36. He was 12. Um, And then she went to prison for a long time. They, he, when she got out, they got married. There are echoes of a lot of cases. Um, What's her name? Mary, Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah, that one is the big one. I think that they're 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 kind of referencing without directly referencing it. So they have this whole life where they are married. They have uh, three kids. One of them's off at college. This kid, this this young this guy who is now thirty six, you know, has a has all of his kids. He's about to be an empty nester. He's thirty six years old, and all yeah. of his kids are going off to college or yeah. are already there, and he has no clue what he's doing. It, I mean, okay, Melton is fantastic here, and it is a shock because he's it's acting like, against it's, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. It's best supporting actor worthy. I I really hope I, he gets in there. It's unbelievable. He is he's doing so many things. It is it's incredible how much he is doing here of presenting just this person who is completely broken from from the get-go he has he's trying to pretend to be an adult and he has no clue how to be an adult but he's trying so hard to be an adult and to be who he's supposed to be and to have all that responsibility and all that weight on him on top of it and just trying to reach back to feeling like a kid again at times it's an amazing performance i cannot say that enough i'm glad Um, we both led with that that's awesome yeah we have to i think but well it's like the unexpected heart of the movie being that story his story and yeah how that conversation with his son when they he smokes weed for the first time is just like one of the scenes of the year for me i got chills just saying it it's like yeah incredible like what have i missed in life moment and like you know there's the 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 monarch metaphor is a little a little much even for the this movie but it it works you get what it's doing yeah the the ingenious trick here is having the portman character come in she's a she's yes. an actor who's supposed to be playing the more character at uh, um, for a movie about the affair um the crime that's the uh, that's the big dichotomy there is that right now it feels like an affair but at the time it was a crime and how the perce- public perception of it has shifted so her character is coming in trying to understand this woman and trying to understand how that happened and how she got to that point and where she's at now and to, to just have that level of dissection of the character where you are trying to figure out who this person is alongside of portman's character but 
then the big question is, do we really need to? Do we want to? Should we be doing this? Should we? Well, it becomes a joke. Like the movie, yeah. the movie makes it clear that it's doing this like campy soap opera. The fucking soap opera and telenovela score is all I keep thinking about. Yes. Like it, you have to be. I mean, this movie could sail right over people's heads. I feel like because you just have to just like it's telling you how to read it as you're watching it and. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious is like a hit over the head. That's like what the, the sound cue is. But like the, the first sound cue happens when she's, you know, talking about, are there going to be enough hot dogs at the party? <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. just cluing you into this like level of humor that the movie is going to be operating on. And it's it's just the, the thing about Portman being there and talking about how she's there to find the truth of the character. But through her actions, you really you realize that it's not about that at all. And people are just kind of like the lies we all tell ourselves about why we love true crime stuff. It's like, oh, I'm just interested in the movie to see the psychology of the character. It's like, no, you're not. You want to see her fuck a kid in a classroom. Like, that's what the movie's about. And it ends up being about that. So it's like an indictment of not really itself, but like the like us, the audience, the people who watch stuff like this. It is so complex and interesting and it's very funny at the same time that it's doing all this so i just can't believe this movie works because i think it's hilarious from the natalie portman side of things especially with the way that she says she's getting at the truth of the character and the only truth you get out of gracie are in moments where she's not there like when she's in bed with her husband and crying about him smelling like smoke or whatever and like it's just the movie, every time I think about it, I'm like, wow, that's another detail that I didn't realize that was going on. It is just a brilliant movie that's about performance. It's about movies. It's about exploitation. It's about true cr- like the truth of the mundane reality of a crime like that and what it would look like and what people think it would look like and how that would affect what it does look like. It is. It sounds crazy to talk about it like in these ways, but like it is at a it's just a it's one of those movies where i only want to talk about it in that form you know on like a bigger level because there's so much going on yeah there's so much going on here it would be it would take a while to dig into everything that it's doing because uh, yeah just having the entire town she's interviewing people from around town to figure out like well how do you guys react to this like her attorney what what's it like to be the attorney and now his wife is just buying baked goods from her and everybody's just pretending like everything is normal because what else are you gonna do to be a good neighbor except just pretend like oh yeah there are neighbors and yeah they have a funny story about how they met i guess but let's not talk about that they're just here and let's 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 just go along with it okay it's fine one of the funniest level of discomfort yeah, one of the funniest jokes is how you think Natalie Portman's this like Oscar-winning, amazing, important actress, and then through repeated interactions with people, you realize she's on some shitty fucking sitcom on TV called like Nora's Ark or something that she like <laughs> clearly resents being on and wants to. So clearly, she has motivations of her own for yep. wanting to do <laughs> such a performance. So. It's just this brilliant. Uh, I can't say. I keep saying brilliant. I'm trying to think of another word to describe it. Uh, Todd Haynes has always made interesting movies. I feel like he used to make more satirical stuff, and now he's back to that mode. And I think it's just so in his wheelhouse and interesting. And it's a movie that will only reveal more with more viewings. And again, I'm glad we said the Melton performance, but like not to discount 
what Portman and Moore are doing. I think Portman's performance is her best I've ever seen it because it's so layered and interesting. And that scene where a kid asks about a sex scene in a class to be like a class clown and she answers it so honestly that it makes everyone super uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> that it's just like another that's like an Oscar clip right there. It is amazing. Uh I loved it. It's a four out of four for me. And I just I just love it. And I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, I'm three and a half out of four. I'm a big fan of this and it's definitely worth watching right now what it's in theaters and it's going to be on netflix soonish in a couple weeks should probably should i think probably it's know not, these things no you it, your website has it it's it's coming yeah, out on you. netflix on december 1st there we go and it's in theaters so. now limited release in new york la and probably chicago and other places check your local listings definitely see in a the theater if you can but you know I don't resent anyone who watches a Todd Haynes movie on Netflix. If that's where it is, that's the place to watch it. God, I I'm glad we had a nice conversation about it, but I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah, we did because, and like, I feel like we barely even described what it's about. Cause it's like, it's so, uh, there's just dr- dredging up these horrible truths for what some fucking shitty true crime adaptation. The final scene where she's acting it out is so loaded and interesting. Also. Oh, yeah. God, it's just the last line of it is fantastic because that's exactly what. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, just lurid stuff that knows it's lurid and is playing with the idea that it's lurid. It's really uh, terrific. Okay, um, moving on. Total gear shift. Let's talk about Taika Waititi's next goal wins, which is confounding for a few reasons that I'll get into. We'll get into. It's known as the beautiful game. But let's face it, it's a complicated game, guys. Soccer, as you like to call it, is like life. Next season, I think we have a real shot. I'm sorry, uh, Thomas, did nobody tell you? You're, you're fired. Good news is, you got two options. Option one, that's where you're currently at. Or American Samoa. Are you serious? If you're all We haven't scored one goal in the history of our country trying to have a soccer team. Go! You get it. Soccer team bad. White savior come to help. He's good. But he's actually a bad guy, kind of. And what if I told you, you think it's a white savior narrative. But what if they saved him from himself? Hmm. That's very compelling. Uh, I think... I think this I think movie you just thinks... told a better story than this movie does, <laughs> but what are you going to do? Well, this movie thinks that you can say, look, there's a white savior coming to save us. And then that excuses the fact that that's what the movie is. And I run into this a lot. Like totally killer had the same problem where it's like making back to the future jokes. And I'm like, you're just ripping it off. You can't just say it. And then ex- we're supposed to excuse it. So that's one problem. The biggest problem with the next goal wins and tell me if I'm wrong. This is how I interpreted it. And I think it's a very generous interpretation t- to Taika because it makes him seem innocent where it feels like this movie is the result of bad studio notes where they're like, yeah, we ordered a Taika Watiti movie and there's not enough of Taika Watiti in it. Why don't you film yourself with a silly mustache and put yourself at the front of it and put yourself in a dumb scene or later in the movie? And why don't you make it a little sillier? It just feels like, I mean, I'm sure it's all Taika doing that all himself, but it felt like wrong to me because it just doesn't play. It doesn't work. 
the fact that the movie opens with Taika with a mustache telling dumb jokes that I saw it in a room with three people, Mark. So bear with me. Like, that's a fact. But not one of us laughed the entire movie. And it's a comedy. And there's jokes. And there's spots for you to laugh. And we all just sat there. And it's just... I don't know what it is about it. It's it's clear that like none of the none of the humor comes from the true life situation. All the humor comes from bullshit that Taika Waititi adds to be childish and what he thinks is funny. Like the guy losing a bet and having to have boobs on his face. And that becomes like a running joke for like 10 minutes. Um, I just didn't jibe with the humor. Maybe some people will. Uh, it didn't work for me at all because once you strip away all the jokes that don't work, all that's left is the very cliche thing that you know it is. And it has this weird fixation on a trans character that I didn't appreciate. I don't think Taika Waititi is the guy to go to for a nuanced take on such a subject. Um, I don't know. It doesn't need to be nuanced. It needs to be funny and enjoyable. And I did not find it funny and I did not enjoy it. What did you think? I found it somewhat funny, especially at the start when it's just about this team is very, very bad. Like, yes, we get it, but it's still kind of funny and watching small, all of that. Those and the small town details, like the guy the holding small, the camera yeah. and also being the, the be, guy who runs be the, the town president of the club. Yes. That's yes. funny. That's a good bit. They're tr- the president of the club is also trying to convince him to stick around with like these fake mystical things, like hi- having his wife walk around, like the tin can woman who apparently has all this wisdom. But it's just just his wife just trying to pretend like that. Those are funny little details. But that's all that those characters mostly are, except for the transgender character who is the most important character on the team. But all the other team members get shoved into the background to make a joke every so often. And it's kind of hard to say we're not making the White Savior movie when you don't make it about the team. It just exactly it's like you are doing exactly what you're telling us you're doing. It's also, I think, disingenuous to present it as this is the inspirational sports movie, but it's not going to take itself too seriously and then spend the entire last bit of the movie being the cliched inspirational sports movie with the highs and the lows. And, uh, you know, the character, the main character coming out of nowhere, telling this tragic backstory that explains everything out of nowhere. And you wonder, wait a minute, how did nobody know that information? How did nobody oh, know tra- that that is what's going on with the him? tragic backstory that is telegraphed? So obviously that oh, I yeah, yeah. included in from the first mention of the first voicemail he listens to. It's yeah, like, okay, I exactly. Got yeah. Yeah. But, but that's not the problem. The problem is that within the world of the movie, yeah, it seems as if nobody is aware of it yeah. and it, that doesn't work. But it has to but it has to function that way so that you can make all those jokes about everything else. When you think about it in retrospect, that scene where he gets fired. Yeah. And I think there's kind of a funny gag with the stages of grief. Yeah. That I is enjoyed funny that in gag. the moment. It's, yeah. I it's agree. funny in the moment, but hang on a second. All those people in the room are close personal associates and friends and an ex-wife of his, and they are yeah. doing that bit to this guy. And just think about how in distasteful that would be. Oh, you're right. How tone deaf that is. In hindsight, yeah, that is sure. awful well, for those people to be doing that. That's another reason why I think it comes off as disingenuous is perfect. It doesn't. I couldn't place why the jokes didn't work, and that helps me. That helps explain it because the humor there. It that's not. Yeah, that doesn't take place in reality. That does. That yeah. is not a realistic scene 
of what would take place there. And that's fine. You can make a comedy that's heightened and has a gag where this would never happen in real life, but it's a comedy. So let's do it. But you're right. If you're going to have this emotional crux, you can't, I don't know. It wants to have it all. It also just felt really, it just felt lazy to me. It's just, it it could have been this nice, sweet, you know, albeit predictable cliche ridden, but nice, like underdog sports movies are like, it's in their DNA to get you riled up and go home happy. And this movie just like, failed on all the easy things it had to do and got tripped up on just depicting all the cliches anyway i really didn't like it it's a one and a half star movie for me i understand that i'm at i'm at two stars but i was i was feeling a little bit higher on it at first because i'm like it's at least funny and then i then that clicked in my head wait a minute that joke doesn't make any sense and then it came into my mind like oh wait all these jokes are just here just to be jokes without any sense of the characters so yeah i'm at two stars but I completely get the one and a half. I do. I get it. <laughs> All right. And now I've already talked about May, December. That's clearly one of my favorites of the year. I think this is another one of my favorites of the year that I'm also excited to watch again. Uh, Nicholas Cage in Dream Scenario. Why does the zebra look the way it does? <laughs> so embarrassing. Hey. <laughs> Focus. Says how it went. No, it's different now. Paul, you've been on my mind recently. Yeah. Because you keep popping up in my dreams. You don't do anything. You're just there. So this specific person, the remarkable nobody. I'm so glad that experience. Do you have a picture? Have you been dreaming about me? Have I been dreaming about you? Yeah. There's like a hundred messages. Somebody wants to interview me. This is strange. Maybe you should take a minute and think before you do anything drastic. Why me? Uh, I don't know. I'm special, I guess. Best Nicolas Cage performance. If it weren't for Pig, I would say in decades. I think Pig is up there with this one. This is a terrific performance from Nick Cage. Uh, You really feel like he is the character. Um, Mark, what is this movie? The premise is so fun. I think I'll let you describe it. It's Take, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those weird ones where it's a guy who's just the most boring person in the world. This professor of evolutionary biology at this small college somehow becomes a worldwide phenomenon by appearing in people's dreams, being a boring guy in the background of their dreams. But a lot, everybody recognizes him, and everybody figures out, oh. This guy is the most famous person in the world Which, suddenly. In and of itself, the way that plays out, hilarious gag. Yeah. The, the dreams are shot so vividly and excitingly that you feel the, like when you're in a dream, you feel that, like you're scared of whatever, whatever happening. It's real to you. And in the movie, those dreams manifest as real to whoever's having them. And just <laughs> Nick Cage wandering through is always <laughs> so goddamn funny. It's just a funny image. It's, it's funny. fantastic. The, just him through the woods while this guy's being haunt, being chased by this supernatural <laughs> demon creature, yes. and he's just walking by like, "Hey, look at that mushroom! That looks really yeah. tasty." Or walking into a room full of alligators, seeing the alligators, and then doing a beat, turn it around. It's a bunch of great little gags when you realize all this. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not 100 sure it gets to a point with the whole gimmick, 
but it doesn't matter because this is more of a character study and that it, has this yeah. sort of weird metaphysical undertone and premise to it. It's just about this guy who is so either comfortable in his life or insecure about himself or both that he cannot move forward, but he desperately, desperately wants to do something more than he's doing with his life. And he can't do it either because he doesn't have the ability or he doesn't have the motivation to do it. And just watching him lean into being famous without any reason. There's nothing about him that is interesting. There's nothing about him that's funny on his on his own. There's nothing about him that has any level of personality to him. Yet he wants to be famous just because he you feels just like described he deserves mod- it. You just described modern society through the view of a reactionary like Chris Borgley, which I am calling him reactionary because... He had two movies in one year, if you didn't realize. He had a movie that Mark and I both really liked. I think I yeah. loved I think I gave it a three and a half or four. Uh, Dream, uh, Sick of Myself came out in March. And it's a, you know, uh, where is he from? Nor- Norwegian? He's a Norwegian uh, film? He is. Yeah, he it's is. A, he's from Norway. It's a Norwegian movie. And this is his first English language movie. And they both just happen to have happened with, you know, come out in the same year. And they both are about the same things, honestly. Yeah. They're about, like, the idea of fame in america or the idea of viral fame and how fame is in itself a pursuit now like before it used to be i'm going to be an actor and then you will become famous as a byproduct i'm going to write an off i'm going to be write a book and then you become famous as a byproduct now people just want to be famous for the sake of it and it's like a very modern thing and i sound like a you know old man talking about it but like that's what the movie's about it's a yep. movie that if it is about anything it's a very broad satire about the idea of viral fame and how people maybe should have some perspective in their lives and realize how nice things are in their life and stop seeking things that you are out of your control that, you know, everyone, it also another modern phenomenon that I think was only defined recently. Maybe there's an old term for it, but what we now call, have you heard of main character syndrome where everyone believes that the main character in their own life. And that very much is what this is about. And I think this movie is also about, the expectations we have for ourselves versus the reality of the dream happening. So like Nick Cage thinking he is this hotshot who should write a book and people should love him for it. And he's, he, you know, he feels spurned by that uh, colleague, right. Who writes a book about his, the thing he said in college that he was going to do, they're actually doing it. It's just typical guy who's, you know, has a good life you'd think, but like he's got it all. He's married, he has kids, but he's yearning for more and he feels like life has passed him by and other people owe him stuff. And it's like, what if that guy did get what he wanted, but in the modern context of fame where it's just like anyone can be famous for a day, but also the modern context of cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, the milkshake duck if you're on Twitter, if you know what that means. The the thing where someone gets really famous and then we find like an old tweet where they said something racist and then we all hate them again. So this movie's kind of about that trajectory too, or it becomes about that in the second half where I think a lot of people are, don't like that. And is that where like it lost you or? Um, oh no, it didn't. It didn't lose me. I, okay. What I meant was, I don't think it, I don't think it creates a, a, co- a cohesive sort of idea of what's going on in the dream world, but I'm okay with it because it's more about the character. Oh so yeah. There is a, because there is a specific thing that happens in the movie. There's a specific moment, which is really funny and really uncomfortable. Is it the Dylan Jalula scene? Yes, it is. Oh, God. Because it's, it's so hilarious. Because <laughs> in, in the dream, he is the most active, take control kind of person there is. And when he's actually replaying the dream out for her, he is so just meek and meager. And it's so, that, and 
that's hilarious. That's yeah, what you, the whole movie's about to me. The expectation yeah. versus reality of what yeah. you'd think you want versus you're in that situation now, look at it, versus the reality of who you are. And it's but, it's it's also about a lack of control about how you're perceived in the world. It's about being in the collective uh, psyche, the collective unconscious, and having people have opinions about you who don't even fucking know you, and they feel very strongly about them. So <laughs> yes. it is... I just think it ends up being, even though I agree that like it doesn't come to like a point where you walk away going like this movie's about this and it has this uh, stance on the issue. I feel like it's more of a broader. It's just dude's a reactionary making art about the world he lives in, and he's what he, this. It's so funny that all these uh, Sunny Bunch, a, a film critic, mentioned in his review that like all these, um, you know, there's Norwegian Christopher Borgli, Swedish Ruben Olstad. Uh, Osland, who did the squ- uh, Triangle of Sadness, and then Helena Rain, who did uh, Dutch Woman, who wrote Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, you know, the most incisive, as Sonny says, the most incisive critics of the pathologies of modern culture, particularly a specific brand of modern American internet culture, are done by these, you know, far flung Northern European people. And I think that's interesting that they have this perspective that maybe we can't see for ourselves or don't tell these stories. But I found it. I just like I don't want I don't think of myself as a reactionary or anything, but I do like find myself like nodding along at the ideas in this movie. And, you know, I think we all see our I I I like to think we all see ourselves in the schlubby, shitty Nick Cage character here who does feel like, you know, you know, who wants to dreams big and doesn't necessarily deserve those things. And the reality, you know, I just unfortunately I do see myself in this character. And I think that's why I connected to it so much. But God, it's just so funny the like him being a passive loser in everyone's dreams and how that manifests. So it just works on a as a comedy for me. It's laugh out loud, funny, unforgettably good imagery, really well shot and really well edited. Actually, is, is what I remember about it. And then I can't believe Mark that even I, I I can't believe how it sticks the landing in such an emotional way. Where like you get that he has the perspective now that he needed before, but it's too late. Basically, like he had, you know, he should have been happy with the things he had. I guess it sounds so base and obvious when you describe it like that. But when you see the movie um, play out, uh, it it really ends up being really impactful and emotional to me to see like what happened with his family and life and his wife and how he dreams of it now. It just I thought it did stick the landing in that way, even if like the fine pointed social commentary never really amounted to anything other than like gesturing largely at a bunch of ideas and it even gets into like american need to make everything a consumer product and how the dream space would of course be infiltrated by ads and how that would look and it just all worked for me and i understand that all those different ideas mashing together are like some people think the first half is better and then hate the second half of this movie and i understand that but i do think it is a whole work and i really i remember i really enjoy it I remember sick of myself having that problem too of what as soon as it tried to get into more of the social commentary aspect of it there was like that whole new agey yes. cult and there was like the modeling stuff it kind of took it kind of took too much of a reach and it didn't quite fit everything into the story and to the character study and this one has that same idea where I uh, it has that same issue I think with the cancel culture stuff even though that scene in the in the um the school assembly hall is really oh funny yeah. it's really funny but it still is like that's a good idea, but it doesn't quite yeah. fit in here. And the I, I, it's a dream 
verse, you could call it a metaverse of like, you know, trying to get ads into every aspect of somebody's life, something like that. you know, that couldn't be a real thing at all. Right. That could not be real. Any kind of metaverse or anything like that. That would be silly. Um, But still, I don't think that that those elements quite fit in here with the character stuff that's going on, but the character stuff is so strong and the way that it does fit into the dreams and that you can see the character shifting with that one scene to become a darker version of himself because you know, in theory, he realizes I'm not that person. And how is subconsciously going to react to that? Yeah. Makes a whole bunch of sense to me. But some of the social aspects of it don't quite work. But it's, it's still just, worthwhile. I feel it's, like it's, yeah, totally. And I feel like it's so human to, you know, to be ha- like, the you know, no one's happy with what they have. I feel like the grass is always greener type of perspective. And it's a cool movie to like reality check that and see what it was like. Yeah. So I, I liked it from a lot for a lot of different reasons. Um, and yeah, I was thinking of sick of myself too. Like there's the reactionariness that I called out. I believe I actually called it out on this podcast was, you know, the model stuff where it's like, she looks fucked up and that is a benefit now to the world in the world of modeling where they're like, you know, we want plus size women. We want women with scars on their faces. So like he's making fun of that stuff. And I feel like that rubs people the wrong way and rub people the wrong way there. And it might rub people the wrong way here to have a group of kids say that they can't look at Nick Cage because he causes trauma for them. Like it's definitely making fun of the idea that we call everything trauma now. So like it just ha- it's incisive, but I feel like a lot of people think it's not incisive specific enough or something. I don't know. I don't really, I'm just trying to react to the criticisms I've seen because I like it so much. But for right now, I think I'm three and a half with the ability to go to a four when I watch it again. I love it so much. It will probably be on my end of the year list. I think it, I just love that like it works purely as a comedy if you want it to. Uh, and then there's also that like emotional stuff about, you know, stop looking for what you don't have and, and really look at what you have and appreciate it and stuff like that. And yeah, just really, really fun stuff. I was riveted with this movie. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, too, and I very much appreciated all the character work that's going on. KJ is great, and he's doing a lot more than just plain, awkward, schlubby guy. There's a lot more going on. Yeah, he's there, too. He's coming and farting at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first time that's been said on this show. And yes. hopefully, maybe any other show. Um, all right, let's so talk. I'm, about I'm giving it three stars. That's three stars. Yeah. Three stars, from Mark. Three and a half from me. But man, it's hard not to give it a four. I don't know why I'm hesitant, but I think it's because I also felt like a shift in the movie. But I just appreciated. I thought I, I like all the things it's gesturing at, but like I don't know. I'll have to watch it again and see if it really sticks. It, but man, that the like the imagery with the the David Byrne joke. Yeah, it, just, was, yeah. it works so well with the if you're invested in their in the character. I think it does pay off. Um, all right, now let's talk about. Please don't destroy. The Treasure of Foggy Mountain, an SNL movie. What the hell were you doing? You're three hours late. Dad, you don't understand. The car was busted, so we had to shred. Why your lips red? Were you eating a snow cone? That's a really good guess. What kind of adults rollerblade? The police are here, and they're saying that you bought alcohol for minors. Thanks, boys! In Europe, the drinking age is like 10. They could have been European. What made you think they were European? They had a certain je ne sais quoi. I think yeah. one of them was eating pen au chocolat. I, I can stop it there. Because if you laughed at that, you should watch this movie. If you didn't laugh at that, I don't think you should watch this movie. Because I don't think you'll get anything out of it. I've, I didn't realize until I have started talking about these 
people with friends. Very polarizing. People really think they're funny or they really think they're not funny. And I think they're funny. So my review of this movie is going to be, it's pretty funny. I laughed. I laughed a lot. I laughed at more jokes than I didn't laugh at, if that makes sense. Like there's tons of jokes. Not all of them hit, but I laughed a lot. Conan did make me smile and laugh whenever he was on screen. The three boys are funny. Megan Stalter, comedian, gets some funny stuff. Um, The plot of the movie is just like without a paddle. Remember that movie? Which definitely was ripping off definitely another movie that I probably haven't seen or something. But it's a typical treasure map. We're looking for something quest movie. Just this, you know, with the please don't destroy boys and with their sense of humor. And I watched it two weeks ago, so I don't really know what else to say about it other than I laughed. Um, there was some good running gags, uh, the throat punches, the TikTok algorithm showing him animals having sex. Um, it's just a vehicle for silliness. The hawk. The hawk. The, the hawk, hawk that good. doesn't know how to fly, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just a vehicle for silliness it and is. jokes. So if you find these guys funny, you'll like it. I appreciate it because I'm kind of their age. I mean, they're a little younger than me, actually. But I feel like we have the same reference points because there was scenes in this movie that felt ripped out of Harold and Kumar. There were scenes in this movie that felt ripped out of Doer is My Car, specifically the Zoltan cult stuff. Um, the references are all stuff I get, but also the references are dated. And I think that's the joke is like, haha, they're referencing Fat Joe and Soldier Boy. But I feel like those things kind of fall flat for me more than they don't. Um, there's a good, good Jennifer's body gag in this. Um, I don't basically know. Basically, just watching Jennifer's body at this yeah, point. They're just raising Jennifer's body. Um, if you like them, you'll like it. What else can I say? Or if you, I, if you're unfamiliar with them, I guess would be the perspective to take. This is, I would say, the first like hour, maybe 45 minutes or so, is a good. If you don't know who they are, they did a bunch of online stuff. They're on Saturday Night Live now, and they do short films like a bunch of other people. They're like you could say they're the new Lonely Island in the sense. Yeah, that basically they do the little digital shorts now on SNL. Yeah, and I think and their dads are all very famous, and that is two why of their dads are very. Two famous. of their dads are like, <laughs> ne- it's very Nepo baby. All my comedian New York friends are very jealous. Isn't the right word? They're like you know perturbed at the at the situation. Um, but they're I my perspective is that they've always been like, I would retweet their videos on Twitter all the time before they were on SNL. They are very funny. They genuine, you know, it's hard to say they genuinely earned their SNL spot, but like the videos to me were funny enough to merit that. So it's hard to chide them for being on the show, even though one of their dads is like Adam Sandler's go-to guy. And the other guy's another NBC comedy person. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Yeah, I found it funny for the first 45 minutes, but I also do find these guys funny from what I've seen of them on SNL, which is pretty much, I think, all the stuff they've done on there. Um, just from they pretty much know, my, casual the, movie, my casual TV watching, I've seen it. They just pretty much do those shorts, and I think this season, Mike uh, Higgins portrayed DeSantis in a sketch or something. Like I feel like they're finally branching out, but before, I feel like it was just that. But now they have a movie. Yeah. Yeah, they have a movie. They're doing something that a lot of comedy troops have tried and failed or never tried and because it's so hard to do. I mean, who would the, the successful ones, obviously, Monty Python and Kids in the Hall, I think, who have done I would say, films. That, oh, it's hard to say that Lonely Island has a movie, but like Popstar is awesome, I would say. Yeah, you know, Lonely like Island is, I mean, they're like their own production company now, That's too. That's true. Because they, yeah. did, um, they did the, 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 the Groundhog Day thing. thing. 
Oh yeah, they also did the Chip and oh, Dale movie and for Palm Disney. Springs. Is that what you're talking Thank about? Thank you. Palm Springs is yeah. just really good. It is really um, good. They have their own little thing going on. I, these guys, I don't think are going to get to that point, but who knows? As a team, they're funny. You brought up the big point of uh, where the movie fell short for me, which is it's too much plot on the back end. I didn't care. Yeah. I don't care about it. It's an excuse. And honestly, I just enjoyed watching these three guys going about their daily business and failing at everything constantly in every yeah. possible way Having and still their... thinking they are amazing people. It was really funny that that disconnect and that cognitive dissonance that they just lived through. It's a good bit. It's a funny bit. Some of the stuff in the woods and searching for the treasure keeps that up. But a lot of it is just the cult and the cult overtakes the end of the movie yeah. and it doesn't work. And it's too I... bad because it's so funny at the start. I ended up catching up with Dick's the musical this weekend because it's available. And I just now in hindsight, I can't really differentiate the two because of the Bo and Yang connection. <laughs> I feel like he's playing very similar silly characters in both. Um, I really enjoyed the, the wingsuit penis gag in this. <laughs> the wind, both wingsuit gags are really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's silly, man. I'm I'm going ahead and giving it the full three. I know you're a little more. I know you're three out of five, but two and a half. But I think yeah. I'm going to stick with. I'll, I'll give them the leg up and hope my comedy friends don't see this and say <laughs> that I'm giving it a three out of three out of four. I I thought it, if if the movie if the title means anything to you, aka if please don't destroy the phrase means like if you know what that is i think you'll and you'll enjoy it or if you know if you like if you know what that is and you like what that is but otherwise i would say if you're like a i don't know what to say to a casual comedy fan who doesn't know who they are like check it out i guess but it's very you'll know fast if you want to keep going or not i mean that's why it's on peacock i assume is just because you got to sell it you got to yeah sell the i don't know how not this, everybody knows i don't think this would have done very i mean i know like Wayne's World and stuff had there was such they, uh, the uh, SNL movies that I think of as theatrical feel like those people were f much more famous than Please Don't Destroy is so yeah. it's it's cool that Judd Apatow took them already and made a movie with them but it feels a little premature in the sense that that's why it's not in theaters you're right I do think it's on Peacock because people are like who are these guys but you know it delivered I thought it was funny but I I like these guys. If you if you want to know what their best thing is, I don't know if it's on YouTube. I'm sure it is, but it was definitely on Twitter. Their Shailene Woodley video game video uh, <laughs> uh, 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 video. It is hilarious. I'll have to send it to Mark. I'm, Mark's yeah, writing it down. It. I yeah, it. <laughs> it is good. SNL. I think it's so funny that SNL basically did it again, but in uh, with a different person, and it wasn't as funny. Um, but the Shailene Woodley okay. tweet is great. Um, I will find it if you can't find it. Um, let's talk it. about... Okay. Okay. <laughs> After the, the show, I will watch it. <laughs> it's very funny. Maybe I'll throw it on the episode here. Um, let's talk about Do Not Disturb, the last movie of the week, and a nice little surprise, as we both enjoyed it. I'm Chloe. This is Jack. Aww. So this is your honeymoon, then? Sort of. We're on vacation. Thought we could try again? Cheers. Cheers. Guys. Eye contact. Oh. Me too, like to party. It's peyote. It's supposed to be really, really intense. What <gasps> is crazy Don't you feel weird about what we did? I cut that trailer off early, everybody, because this movie, 
The one thing I can say about it is it should be experienced without knowing a goddamn thing about what it's doing. And the trailer really gives it away, as does the blurb on Letterboxd and IMDb. Everywhere you can read about this movie, it gives it away. So I would say don't read anything about it. Don't listen to us talk about it and just watch it. But if we were to talk about it without spoiling it, how would we do that? Um, I'll let you start. Um yeah, that was, this is another fun review to write where you don't want to give away where it's going. It yeah. is about, but it, the, the good thing is, thankfully, the movie has a lot more going on than just where it goes and yeah. that that little twist that happens about halfway through or so, because it's about this couple, this married couple. They just got married. They've been together for a long time. They've been through a lot of ups and even more downs, and it is clear that their relationship is about to collapse in some way, and you just watch it in a hotel room and in um, across like the beach of Miami and all this stuff. And you just feel this sense of claustrophobic decay within this relationship and watching it with these two actors who are both really good and both come across just as normal people. It's so, I mean, I, this is not a slight against either of them. They just seem like these are people that you could come across in the street. They're obviously actors. Well, <laughs> you know, that's what worked for but, me. As I said, this is the most realistic relationship dynamic I've ever seen, even though it's uncomfortable. It feels very real. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable, but it is also very real. But imagine like how this could have been ruined if you had two big movie stars in this. It would have it wouldn't have worked um, because you would have been just distracted by the fact like there's no way these two people <laughs> exist in the real world. But these two feel as if they do and just watching that relationship fall apart and see where all the little pressure points and all the little trigger um, words and phrases and ideas that could come up and just watching how would they just keep picking at each other and all that it's really uncomfortable but it's completely worth watching especially when it gets to the big metaphor which kind of has them coming together to work as a team for some really really terrible things and just having that is it's just this fascinating dynamic. And it's also yeah. eventually, I think we could say it turns horror. I think yeah, the, I mean, oh, the oh, tone yeah. of that trailer and the whole thing, it turns to horror and it's gross and it's disgusting, but it's also darkly funny because funny. of that dynamic of this relationship. Yeah. It's like, it's what a if surprise. a total surprise? What if a toxic, horrible relationship, you know, you saw that through in a horror way, in a horror premise. Um, and how far would it, how far it could possibly go? Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. It feels like my friend described it as a descent into hell. And I, li- I, I, I don't want to give away too much, but I will say there's like a there's like a drug element to it. I only want to say that just because the way that they depict being on drugs is such an interesting way that I don't think many movies have done it as effectively. Just like the bas- movie basically has just quick cuts in time without you realizing. Like they'll be in the room and then like they'll order uh, uh, room service and then like it'll cut. And maybe it won't even cut. Like it'll do like a cut from her face to his or something. And then like it's been hours and the steaks are all eaten already and shit like that. And they haven't, they can't realize that time has passed. So it's really clever. It's at first you're just like, what's going on? This, this drug is crazy. Also the way that they're introduced to the drug is such a fucking hilarious and crazy scene to me that like such a, like knowing what ends up happening. It's just like, how would you ever do that? Knowing how that started. But it's funny that they, you know, call their shot like Babe Ruth and then kind of deliver on it. And yeah, I, we're talking around it on purpose, people. We do not want to give this movie away. It is a horror movie. It is a relationship uh, uh, satire drama. 
it's about the ugliness that can happen in like the sunny paradise. I love that like they're at they're at like a you know vacation spot, but within this room lays horrors or whatever. Um, just interesting gender dynamics, relationship dynamics, really really wild stuff. I'm looking at my notes, just trying not to read all the ones that are like spoilery. So yeah, they're all spoilery. This movie ends up being a very specific type of horror movie. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to give it away. But it's a three-star recommend. Seek out Hidden Gem. Do not disturb. Yep. Three stars for me, too. Definitely Direct- worth checking out. John Ainsley. I think there's another, there's another movie with this title. That's pretty recent. Yeah, it's on Netflix, I think. I got When I was first looking for this one, I got confused by the one that's on Netflix. That I don't In even fact- know if it's out. This one's hard to find, kind of like it when is. you're looking. So it, that that always sucks. So it stars Kimberly Lafiere, I believe, and Rogan Christopher, directed by directed and written by John Ainsley, who is a a guy I'm going to look out for now. That's a very I love to champion a good indie movie, and this feels like a perfect one. So definitely keep an eye out for that. We'll be back hopefully next Friday. Uh, Mark and I are hoping to record before the Thanksgiving holiday. We've already seen a lot of the stuff for next week, including Napoleon. Uh, and there's a few more things I have to see. And then we'll record. And that's the behind the scenes business you don't care about. And what you do care about is the dulcet tones of Alien Ant Farm. Here they are. The show starts in one...
Jalan sah. Shut up. Ush.